Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are going to be talking about a creepy, weird little indie called She Dies Tomorrow from writer-director Amy Simitz. And joining me is Michael Frank, first time on the show, and we had a great conversation about this movie and about all things impending doom and dread and (laughs) believe it or not it's really fun though so we are going to get into that conversation here in a second but before we get on to all of that i do want to remind you to make sure you're subscribed to piecing it together on your podcast app of choice and of course if you're enjoying the show you can always rate and review us on apple Podcasts or Podchaser, and uh you know follow us on social media at piecing pod join the facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces where we continue the conversation about all these movies and so much more and maybe a little bit of existential dread creeps into those conversations as well we'll see what happens but uh for now though let's start talking about she dies tomorrow All right, so joining me today, we've got writer and film critic Michael Frank. Michael, how's it going? It's fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. So we're going to be talking about this movie, She Dies Tomorrow, and uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, But the first thing I wanted to ask you, and then also I'm going to want to, you know, get you to tell my listeners a little about yourself and all that. But first things first, though, I know you seem to like really dig this movie. I I remember seeing you post about it a few times. I had replied saying how, yeah, I'm thinking about watching this. You know, what what made you, uh, well, I guess before we get into what made you connect with it, we'll get to that later. I just want to know, are you still thinking about it constantly? Because I know you said you were thinking about it quite a lot after you saw it. I'm thinking about it constantly. I would say that part of that was how I watched it. Mm. Um, I, I watched She Dies Tomorrow. Uh, I started at about 11 p.m. Uh, mm. on a Wednesday night, um, just by myself in my room, turned off all the lights, um, nice. got some ice cream. Uh, this and, is like the 40X kind of, like, of existentialism. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it, and it, to, to be honest, I actually had to pause it halfway through um, at a really specific um scene because i was feeling like really really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. just because i think that especially where i live when it gets to a certain um time out here in i live in brooklyn i just can get like really quiet on my specific street Mm -hmm. um and there's not you know too many you know lights or anything and so um, i was just like very dark and quiet yeah uh and kind of like the dread was starting to uh fill me up 
Um, I would say I don't think about it as much uh, as I did last week. It's <laughs> slowly good. starting to um, dissipate from my body. Uh, but definitely I, I, it hit me and I still have flashes of thinking about it. Um, sure. and I've actually, I, I've told a lot of people to watch it, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> uh, but uh, hey, any, every, anytime you're recommending movies, it's a good thing, I think. Exactly. Uh, and so anytime they watch it and, and bring it back up, it kind of fills me, uh, fills me back up with that, that same dread. <laughs> nice. Well, why don't we introduce you to our listeners here? Why don't you tell people a little about yourself and what you do? Yeah, definitely. I uh, do a bit of writing um, and critiquing, I would say, of, of film and television. I actually only kind of started writing and, and, and doing this whole uh, shebang about a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I studied journalism actually in college in California and, and uh, minored in film. And so had a little bit of background that way. But um, now I freelance write for a bunch of different sites. Um, and mostly love doing interviews i would say that is become kind of what i do the most of uh and done done a few of them recently for roger ebert uh and uh awards watch and and film inquiry and, and those types of places that's awesome yeah I, I see your name in a bunch of different places and so i'm glad to finally meet you and get to have you on the show so um this movie, uh, we were kind of digging into it a little bit in that, that first question, but this movie is absolutely filled with like a, a kind of dread that is a little bit unrelenting. And, you know, we'll get into it more as we get into this conversation, but that is kind of my thing when, when it comes to a movie. Yeah. I do dig when a movie, uh, you know, just kind of. Uh, it just takes a hold of you and like it, it really doesn't let up and even though there's a lot of like kind of dark humor in this i mean it's still it's mm -hmm. just a, a lot of like heavy stuff going on here well yeah and the reason why i love it so much is it's it's pretty snappy mm -hmm. um i i think it's about like 84 85 minutes sure and so number one it doesn't take a long time for you to understand what kind of movie you're watching mm. you know i think within the first 10 15 minutes you say Okay, I've I've been hit by this like like we've said sense of dread or, or um, isolation, you know, uh, and then it just gets right into it, you know, and and it kind of starts spreading per se um, sure. pretty quickly, and I like that it jumps kind of from character to character, and it's not just solely focused on on one person, one idea, mm -hmm. um, and and because of that, I think it is so unrelenting, like you said, you know, I think if it were just focused on you know the, the the main lead just kind of you know walking around uh kind of her past experiences with her ex um or her just you know being in the backyard and and looking at boxes then right. i don't think it becomes you know as as special or as haunting of a film yeah. um because though it, it runs with every single person that she interacts with and then who they interact with and and that's kind of how it's it's set up uh it, it feels i think I don't know. I just think it's much more effective. Sure. Yeah, I, I think it becomes a much more individual, personal story if it was just about her, whereas in this case, it just becomes a total uh, mm -hmm. a, a exploration of, of, you know, what it means to be scared of death, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, with that with that all said, I mean, we, we kind of got to the, the basic uh, idea of the movie here. We've got that out there. Why don't we start jumping into some puzzle pieces? We'll talk more about the movie along the way. What do you have for your first one? So my first one, uh, I have 
one that uh, came out in 2014, the film It Follows mm-hmm. uh, by David Robert Mitchell. It's a, it's a film that I've seen be mentioned along with She Dies Tomorrow quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually uh, rewatched it just because I was, I was curious how, how they kind of match up. And, um, you know, that film is um, about younger people. One, it's about um, a like sexually transmitted monster Mm-hmm. Um, or horror of sorts, but uh, I think that the the big similarity is both of these um, spreaders, you know, or like infections or or whatever they are, um, can be parables for something larger. Can mean much more than just thinking you're gonna die tomorrow, thinking that um, because you had sex with someone that now someone is following you. Right. Um, and then the the second huge piece is. In both films, it's really the only person that sees that or feels that way. You know, so in It Follows, no one really else can see the monster except for the person that it's following. And then um, in She Dies Tomorrow, it's really singular. You know, sure. it, it's it's something that, okay, I feel this way and it affects just me specifically. And then everyone else kind of is confused by that. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely a great piece to start this out with. Um, I, I surprisingly did not have it on my list, even though it totally mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, but I think just on that, that the main level of this, you know, unseeable thing that, you know, fo- you know, follows from one person to the other. But another another comparison I think that makes a lot of sense is a really strong use of music in both of these movies. I mean, It Follows is one of the best scores of the last, you know, 10 years and uh this this movie she dies tomorrow is a great score and then also interesting use of music like uh the lacrimosa playing over and over again yeah. and all that which really like sets you up for like oh this is gonna be pretty weird like <laughs> <laughs> well i think also both of those are are kind of trying to reframe elements of horror you know and thriller um mm-hmm. in non-traditional ways sure yeah, no, that, that makes sense a lot. Um, all right, I'm going to go on to my first piece, and I'm going to get this one out of the way first because it's it's the the one movie on my list that, uh, not, not really a good one, but I, I it reminded me of it in a way, uh, and that's M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening, um, which, okay. again, you know, you've got this kind of unseeable force that for some reason is traveling from person to person in that case causing them to kill themselves i believe i i kind of forget that movie already yeah. but yeah it's that kind of a thing though and uh you know there, there's a a certain like question of like you know what exactly is it that's unfolding here like it's it's kind of hard to put your finger on for the beginning of the of the movie but it starts to like kind of slowly get un, unpacked for you and it's it's quite possible to even not fully understand it by the end. Um, it, it's definitely something that isn't as interested in uh, fully explaining itself as it is, you know, letting you try to piece all that together. Yeah, I think that makes tons of sense. That's funny. That that's a movie I I truly um, have not seen. Yeah. In pro- I mean, at least eight to ten years. Yeah, I saw uh, it in the theater, and that was the last time. I do remember it had a couple of really effective moments. Like, I'll give it that. And I mean, M. Night Shyamalan, he's, you know, for all of his bad films, he's made a lot of great ones, too. And, yeah. you know, so I'll, I'll give him credit where credit's due. That's, that movie had a few good scenes, just uh, kind of not super well thought out, though, the rest of it. Yeah, and I also, I, and just another kind of interesting similarity, I think that that movie has um, just like a ton of people in it. Yeah. Like all I remember is is from from the movie is just seeing like a lot of familiar faces, which um 
you know, she dies tomorrow. If I think you watch um, a lot of, especially, uh, you know, say like Swanberg movies or uh, kind of a lot of these smaller indie movies, a lot of these people will pop up uh, from, you know, she dies tomorrow. And uh, it was kind of the thing where even, you know, Michelle Rodriguez pops up for, yeah, you know, 25 seconds at the end. Uh, Adam Adam Wingard of all people. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like okay, like I guess lots of good actors are just going to be in this movie for not necessarily you know the entire time. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's definitely an interesting cast, and uh, a lot of a lot of these people who you just certainly wouldn't expect to see, but hey, there they are, and they're filled with as much dread as the no name people. One hundred percent. So what do you got for your next piece? Uh, so my next piece is uh, a film that I personally love. Um, it might not be the most critically acclaimed, uh, but I think it actually like set, you know, a somewhat important precedent for um, horror and I think, you know, death filled mm-hmm. uh, films. And that is uh, Final Destination. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I had to put it on. I think that, uh, the feeling that you know you're going to die, mm-hmm. uh, that's basically that entire movie. Uh, sure. And just trying to, one, grapple with that fact. Um, I think they actually fight that, of course, in Final Destination, where in She Dies Tomorrow, it's it's much more you know resignation sure. um, or acceptance. But um, there are certainly characters in the Final Destination, you know, first film in 2000, as well as the rest of the films, um, who just kind of accept that fact and then either commit suicide or lay down in front of a train or whatever it may be just because they know that death is coming. Yeah. Um, and of course, that's a, a much different, I think, kind of movie, though it, it still is uh, at least genre adjacent. Sure, um, yeah. I, I think it would be very fair if you're trying to, you know, explain what this movie is to someone and just say, like, it's an indie uh, Final Destination, you know, it's the A24 Neon Final Destination, you know, uh, it would, I, I think someone would be like, oh, okay, I, I get what I'm getting into. <laughs> well, yeah, and, it, and it's, it's a lot of like, we're going to build, you know, like, I think Final Destination like does like a bunch of really small builds, mm-hmm. I think, you know, like throughout it. Sure. Um, and She Dies Tomorrow, I feel like every single time it's kind of like it's a, in a conversation and then it builds, you know, those bright lights. Yeah. Uh, and and like we we've said that the score and the music like swells and you're like, okay, I feel like that something is happening inside of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, I'm dreading for the people that I'm watching um, as you do. in I think like final destination, like even though they might be uh, not dumber movies, you know, but I think that they're uh, not grappling with the same types of things, um, at least in, in the same weighty way. Sure. Uh, as she dies tomorrow, that's still, effective you know in making you feel nervous and anxious absolutely yeah no i i think that this conversation could not have happened without talking about final destination yeah, so exactly good good, good piece <laughs> and uh i'll go on to my next uh piece which is a, a a movie that people just really did not talk about but i loved uh last year it was called two dust and mm. it's uh written and directed by sean snyder it starred uh uh, Matthew Broderick in a role just kind of out of nowhere coming back and uh, and, Good and for him. Giza Rorig and yeah it, it's a really great indie like very pitch black dark comedy that like kind of deals with grief and it, it's about a a Hasidic Jew who seeks out a uh, community college professor to try to help him deal with 
uh, the loss of his wife and what happens after death and what death means. And because uh, his religion isn't quite giving him the, the closure and the understanding that he needs. And so in this movie, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a very different thing, more of a horror thing. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it certainly, though, is these characters who are having to come to terms with what death means and what death is and acceptance of that. And everybody kind of has their own way in which they like they all have that I'm going to die tomorrow moment but then they also have their own little bits and pieces of the way that they're they're dealing with the idea yeah I to be completely honest with you I've never heard of this movie I I mean (laughs) that little synopsis and and your 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 speech on that I I mean it's it's sold me immediately so I think I'm probably going to queue it up uh, uh, yes. immediately after this. Um, and I would love to see Matthew Broderick in anything. Yeah. Uh, to be completely <laughs> honest, I, I, I feel bad for saying that sometimes I just forget that he's out there. Cause he, he, I feel like he's just rarely in oh, things yeah. that, that people see. He just like, kind of like disappeared forever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, definitely. I can't recommend that film enough. So please do check it out. And I have done my job if you do watch it. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. What's your next piece? So I am also going to talk about something that deals um, heavily with grief and death, and that is uh, the HBO series The Leftovers uh, from Damon Lindelof. It's a show that um, I didn't watch while it was going on, uh, that I actually watched um, in the last year, and uh, it stars just a ton of fantastic people um, from Justin Thoreau and uh, Carrie Coon to you know Regina King and uh, Margaret Qualley and, and just kind of all these people pop in and out. Um, and it's a show. Ha- have you seen it? Or you know what? I, I haven't. Uh, that that was on my list of when the whole quarantine situation started. I was like, I'm finally going to watch The Leftovers and it just hasn't happened. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to try to give away too much, but, uh, you know, basically 2% of the world's population just disappears. Right. Um, which is like just an, uh, a weird amount of people, you know, like it, it ends up being, um, you know, one person in your family you know or um a few people in your town or or you know whatever it may be and so it's about all these people that are dealing with um the loss of family friends um and normalcy mm-hmm. uh and you know it's on a really specific date and so every single year this comes around uh this you know specific date of um kind of like the disappearances and, and the vanishing uh Everyone thinks, or not everyone, but at least, you know, some characters and, you know, certain people in the town or community feel as though then it's again, they're going to die on that day. And so people are preparing constantly for Mm. um, death throughout the show because no one really has any clue um, when death is coming, you know, or or, or if this is something that is going to happen again, or if it's just a coincidence or if it's a, you know, random event and uh, that idea of, of death and and grief just seeping constantly into your life sure it's um, like always there and like yeah, yeah. And, and it it overwhelms you know characters throughout the show and and um i think it's an absolutely fantastic haunting uh really weird show that is yeah. very confusing and very dark you know it's it's not an easy show to watch um three episodes of in a row Mm-hmm. Or else you'll start feeling, I think, really poorly about the state of the world and about <laughs> uh, about you know death in your own life and death around you. Um, but I couldn't help but think about it 
when watching She Dies Tomorrow, uh, po- possibly because I watched it recently, but also because it's one of the best um, pieces of television or film that I've seen that deals with uh, grief and, and death and how um, we're really freaked out by it, you know, and, right. and, and, we, and, we, and we just don't know how to act, you know, like we don't know how to act. And so we either we jump into something that is um, either not healthy, not safe um, or will lead us down a very poor path. Sure. And and that's like baked into just like being a person. And so it's like, it's great that like a movie like this could come along. And, you know, we, we of course love our big action movies and comedies and all that. But for something like this to come along is awesome, too, to be able to like explore these kinds of themes in a, a very unique and different way. One thousand percent. I mean, it's I know you did a, a an episode recently on uh, the tax collector. Mm, um, yeah. and it's just it's funny to look at for example like she days tomorrow versus the tax collector right. uh, and just like it's like okay these movies came out you know within a couple weeks of each other uh <laughs> and they are really going for uh for different themes and a you know a different different appearance and different effects so tax collector's got some heavy stuff once you get into the uh <laughs> pouring chicken blood on yourself and whatever exactly <laughs> Well, I will go on to my next piece. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna stay squarely in the whole existentialness of of that last one there, and talk about I Heart Huckabees from David mm. O. Russell, uh, a, a which is I mean to me is like you know kind of the ultimate when it comes to like dealing with that whole existential like you know what does it all mean kind of question within a comedy, a dark comedy, you know, and there's certainly like I said moments of humor in this movie, really dark humor, um, but also like the thing that kind of like connected the most aside from just that that uh, you know those kinds of questions is the way that. Um, you know, I, I remember the scene in I Heart Huckabee's, uh, you know, how am I not myself? How am I not myself? You know, it just kind of mm-hmm. becomes meaningless, that question. And it's like, I'm going to die tomorrow. I'm going to die tomorrow. And it's like, it's just kind of, it's like this repeated thing that becomes like, you know, are, do you even like know what you're saying at this point? Like, is it just kind of coming out? Like, what what is what is the the purpose of you know, what are the, do these characters understand what they're saying, or is it just kind of coming out on autopilot in a way, you know? And it's just, uh, it's a fun use of language, I think, in a way, where it's like, it uh, it just kind of shows how once something gets repeated over and over again, it just starts to almost lose meaning in a very strange way. And it's it's an interesting phenomenon, I guess. Yeah, can I ask you something, mm-hmm. you know, about that film? Why... Do you think, um, I feel like it's gotten kind of lost in the shuffle Mm. of the last, you know, I don't know, 15 years. Um, why, why do you think it's, it's feel like it's sort of been not necessarily forgotten, but it's just like not nearly as necessarily, I feel like beloved as other, um, you know, David O. Russell films. Yeah. I have to assume it has to do with all the Oscar attention that came like right after that with like three in a row. Right. Wasn't it, um, uh, Sorvalani's playbook, uh, American Hustle, and the, the Fighter. The Fighter, yep. Oh, and also uh, the other one with Jennifer Lawrence, where with the mop. Uh, was that Joy? Is that what Joy? It was yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was him too, right? Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Not, so not, a, like, not a film I particularly loved. But, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was definitely the weakest of those four. But, um, but yeah, no, I have to assume it's all that Oscar buzz b- between all four of those movies. And so it's just kind of like, oh, that's what he did before that. 
kind of mm. and you know but i don't know i love that movie actually uh just a weird little tangent for a second but my best friend q and i we we went as uh jason schwartzman and mark Wahlberg's characters for <laughs> halloween that year that it came out <laughs> was that a was that a pretty popular uh, costume <laughs> literally not a single person knew what we were <laughs> <laughs> which of course made it all the all the better you know exactly no that's i i love to hear that those are yeah. always the best costumes right yeah absolutely <laughs> that's so ridiculous now that i think about it all right what do you got for your next piece um so i don't know if this is allowed but i'm gonna kind of give uh a few movies that are all kind of i think in the same vein sure um that all i think fill kind of the same hole and so this is um the 1997 japanese film perfect blue uh black swan uh and then polanski's repulsion Mm -hmm. um and so all three of these movies though not the exact same they're all i think about like um central um like female lead characters who are um going through some sort of like mental um like taxing mental experience mm-hmm. i would say uh because i don't necessarily think that like uh they're you know just completely like uh spiraling or anything like that but um they're about people that really don't know what is uh real and kind of what's fake uh sure. and that feel that someone or something is coming for them mm-hmm. uh you know so all three of those films are they either think a person, they think, you know, a group of people, they think um, death, whatever it may be, is like coming to get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're really, th- you know, those films are mostly just like that, those central characters. Um, and it's it's kind of you're living inside of their mind to a certain degree. And I think uh, there's no sense of, you know, a spreading of, you know, illnesses death of anxiety sure but in terms of uh anxiety captured on screen i think those are like incredible um films that show the anxiety when you start thinking about something so much right that it can it becomes all consuming and then you uh struggle to live you know and you you struggle to move past that so that you think okay maybe death is coming tomorrow you know Mm -hmm. or um someone is coming to kill me or um, you know, this man that is walks by to go to work is um, coming tomorrow to end my life or to break into my apartment. Sure. Uh, and it also includes, you know, some sort of like visions and, and kind of these, these types of things. But um, I had to mention those those movies, especially, especially Perfect Blue, um, which is just an absolutely incredibly twisted uh weird movie um it looks a lot more at fame i think um Hmm. but definitely it's an interesting look at um anxiety and and uh nerves i just think in general uh when you're living and and when you're being influenced by all these other people and and you start to really lose control a little bit sure yeah, I actually have never seen Perfect Blue, and now I'm feeling like I probably have to. But uh, specifically to Black Swan, though, uh, I think a lot of Aronofsky could fit that bill as well. I mean, Requiem, Pie, even Mother, um, yeah. definitely a lot of that that same kind of feeling works through a lot of his work. Yeah, and it, and those films definitely have just built-in dread, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that you, you feel as though 
something really bad is going to happen by the end of this film. You right. know, when, when you're watching it. And that's how I felt when I was watching She Dies Tomorrow. I didn't know um, exactly um, if people were going to die or, or kind of what was going to happen. But I definitely felt as though something bad is going to happen to these characters that I'm right. watching on screen. And that's how I felt with Perfect Blue, with Black Swan, with, um, I guess, like you're saying, a lot of Aronofsky. But yeah. uh, had to just give a little shout out to, to Perfect Blue. Nice. Yeah. It sound, sounds, uh, sounds like an interesting movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'm going to do something here with my next piece that I don't think I've ever actually done before. Maybe I did a while, while back on the podcast, but I'm going to go with something that's not a movie. It is a piece of a song lyric, uh, but I just, re- it really oh. kind of, I, I thought of it while I was watching this movie and I was like, this kind of fits really well, so I'm going to do it. It's my show. I could do it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is from The Cure's Plain Song on their Disintegration album, the album opener. It's the line, it's so cold, like the cold if you're dead, and you smiled for a second, which I thought is like a perfect, it perfectly encapsulates kind of this feeling of these people who are terrified of dying, but at the same time are are coming to this acceptance of dying and of what they're, you know, of that, the fact that that is all part of what this whole existence is and that it's, you know, it's just a natural extension to, to life and, and that it's okay, you know, and some of the characters are more okay with it than others. Some of them are, are not kind of, uh, giving into that, that realization at all, but some of them are, are totally on board with this, uh, kind of goth idea of this cure song. Can you can you reread that lyric one more time? Sure. It's uh, it's so cold, like the cold when you're dead, and you smiled for a second. Well, I, it's it works, it's interesting. Right? It, no, it really works. That's why I, I think you know it's it's weird when you're just listening to a song and you might hear that and you'll be like, oh, it's just whatever. It's part of the song. But then when you put it in context of something like she dies tomorrow or, or right. this conversation on death and grief and yeah. <laughs> all those things, you're like, oh my gosh, that is the most profound thing right? Uh, right. anyone has ever written. <laughs> well, that is Robert Smith. So yeah, well, He's my that's favorite. fantastic. <laughs> I'm so glad I could be a part of history. There you go. Right. <laughs> I might have to do that again sometime because it was fun. <laughs> so what do you got for your next piece? Um, okay, so is this my last? I, I don't know how many we go. Right, five, five, basic around. Yeah, five. Each. five. If you have, if you have any like extras you really want to throw in after, we can we can squeeze them in. But uh, yeah, okay. So I'm gonna go with um, something that is it's definitely more sci-fi um, focused, but I think it still it really holds true to the idea of uh, those around you are changing, mm-hmm. um, and they're changing in a sort of. Um, reluctant acceptance uh mm-hmm. which makes no sense when i say uh next one is invasion of the body snatchers right on um and i'm going with the 1978 uh film directed by philip coffin with uh donald sutherland and um it, just incredible jeff goldblum performance uh right. in there uh and and that film is you know about aliens coming and and taking over bodies Mm -hmm. um but the biggest thing that made me uh you know link it to she dies tomorrow is when these aliens take over the bodies what happens to your loved ones and the people around you is they become basically emotionless Mm. you know so they basically just become 
not necessarily robots, but they become just resigned to um, a quiet, uh, non very action based, non violent, really based existence. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, of course, it's much more about the end of the world in a different way, in a different sure. sense, but. Uh, it really made me think of it, especially with, I think, some of the acting um, in She Dies Tomorrow when characters um, become infected, you know, or uh, when they start to feel as though um, death is coming for them, then their demeanor changes and their acting changes a bit. Uh, right. And, it, it, you know, it becomes very, um, not deadpan, but very you know, emotionless and kind of just, here are the lines, here's what I'm feeling. Sure. Uh, and it even reminded me, which isn't necessarily like a linked piece, but it reminded me of the acting and, and, and such and like killing of a sacred deer. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. And, and that kind of just like plain faced, I've accepted what I'm saying and what I'm feeling. Uh, and it just reminded me of, I don't know why, Body Snatchers, it, it reminded me of that. But um, that's just a much more sci-fi based film, but it's definitely still about the end of the world. And it's about um, those around you changing in a way where, um, they lose, you know, the essence of of themselves, which I think right, is happening right. to certain characters. And she dies tomorrow. You know, you when you think that you're going to be dying tomorrow, uh, and you look back at who you are and what you've done. Um, sometimes, as seen in the movie, you are like upset with those things, mm-hmm. you know, and and you wish that what those truths were different. And so, you lose. Um, a bit of yourself and you lose all those decisions you made, you know, to become the person uh, that is going to be dying in the, in the sure. next day, uh, which is a long winded way of saying that. I think that those two movies uh, are, <laughs> are related. Right. Right. No, well, totally. And, and I, uh, I think this is kind of a, a good, a good moment to kind of go on a quick little tangent here. And that, that's it. I've seen a lot of articles that kind of point to this being like a perfect covid moment movie you know and i mean what do you what do you think of that like do you think that 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 makes sense to uh to look at this movie and just that i i guess it's like a combination of of the uh you know the lack of connection and the the realization that that you know things could go bad at any moment you know and who knew that things could get this crazy like what do you think about that comparison I think it's interesting, and I know this has been talked about by by others, but you know the film wasn't made you know during COVID times sure. you know, or or for this specific time, and so usually, um, in my opinion, when that happens, it ends up being much more relevant. You know, mm-hmm. I think that this film will will end up being um, more relevant to COVID times to 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 living through a pandemic than the COVID movies that come out in two to three sure. years. Oh um, yeah. I, I think it's tough to say because I personally am someone who gets um, not necessarily freaked out about death, but someone who definitely thinks about it. Like, I think mm-hmm. I think about sickness and, and death and those things, you know, on Tuesdays at 1.30 a.m., <laughs> uh, which is just, you know, not a positive or negative thing. It's just um, something that I've, you know, grown to do over, you know, over the last, whatever, six years as, as time has gone by and as I've continued to grow older. Uh, I think it's a fine comparison to say that it's it's great for COVID times. Mm-hmm. I think the the biggest piece of She Dies Tomorrow that um, relates in my mind 
is that idea that you can get sick at any time and not realize it. Right. I think that as we see all these people around us, you know, some of us have lost family members, some of us have lost friends, and and I would say most people at least know uh, someone that's been infected or someone that's had been quarantined, and and we all kind of feel uh, this sense of loneliness and isolation, mm-hmm. um, which is not really a, a part of the film that we've talked about tons, but um, it's definitely something that Amy Simons is, I think, trying to say uh, right, about right. isolation and loneliness and how these things lead you to really getting inside of your head and, and being unsure of what's going to happen next. And I think that uh, mixture of isolation and fear of the unknown is uh, part of what's driving all of the anxiety, you know, in, in all of our heads right now. Um, yeah, and, it, it multiplies it a lot. Like when you, the combination mm-hmm. of being isolated and anxiety, you know, they, they multiply together. Well, and it's like in the, it's like uh, in terms of She Dies Tomorrow, uh, Jane Adams' character, I think her name is just Jane, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she seemingly lives um, somewhat alone. She spends a lot of time uh, in a basement looking at, um, looking under a microscope, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, when you're doing that, let's say all day, um, and you have the idea of dying tomorrow or the idea of, you know, those around you getting very, very sick, it's hard not to let that infect your mind when there's no one to talk about it with, you know, you're just kind of like by yourself, you're allowing these thoughts to infect your mind and you can't move one way or another. And so, um, I think it's pretty incredible that this film comes out right now. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's also like terrifying to watch right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like no, but I mean like the horror I think works much better because we are at a heightened state of, you know, anxiety around let's say sickness and death. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of anxiety and sickness and death, uh, I'm going to go with my last piece, <laughs> which is Charlie Kaufman's 2008 film Synecdoche, New York which is, I think, a masterpiece of those feelings and those, those ideas. Oh. But, but um, I, I, I just think that the idea of just, like, uh, this movie isn't really, like, a hypochondriac kind of thing, but, I mean, it basically just this idea of, like, I'm sick and I'm going to die and I can't explain it, but there's something wrong. And that whole thing that the Philip Seymour Hoffman character has going on with him in Synecdoche, uh, I think there's a definite parallel there. Uh, somebody given a certain set of circumstances could turn from a character in this movie into that character in that movie, possibly. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing to explore for sure. And, uh, an interesting link, I think. That is absolutely, I think an incredible pick. I, nice. I saw that movie for the first time a couple months ago. Um, I just had never seen it, kind of missed it. And, um, it hit me like an absolute train. Mm. Uh, I think especially that's a movie that works in very, very well right now. Um, yeah. It, yeah, I think that's such an interesting parallel. I It wasn't on my list, and for some reason I, I didn't really think about it, but uh, it's interesting to think about, yeah, one person who um, can feel that they're getting sick. Like, he, he knows that he just doesn't really know what's wrong or, or right. why He's just happening. sure there's something. There must be, right? <laughs> it's yeah, like exactly. in, in his head, there must be something wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so interesting, and he. I like it also because I think the last you know fifteen minutes of Synecdoche, um, have a huge parallel with this movie where, 
you know, you get to a certain point that you don't want the rest of everything. You just kind of want to like sit yeah. by yourself um, in a room and you just want to know what's going to happen to you and what to do. Right. You know, you know, when, when, when it gets to that point in that film and um, the characters in She Dies Tomorrow gets to get to a point where they just want it to happen. You know, sure. they just they They're don't want to wait. Yeah, they don't want to wait around. There's like a, definitely a, a a level of readiness to end things or, or um, end at least the waiting. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. You know, one other thing I hadn't even thought of before I uh, had it on my list, but I, I'm just thinking about it right now. That's another kind of parallel is. Uh, a thing with, with She Dies Tomorrow that I found interesting is there's like little bits and pieces of those like abstract art things that we get as kind of like uh, transition pieces in, in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, they're actually in the scenes sometimes, like as paintings in the rooms and stuff like that. And so it kind of almost in a way is like a parallel to with Sinetsky New York with the whole idea of him, you know, creating his whole existence within this play that he's making. And so there's like pieces of of his real world blending in and vice versa and not being able to tell you know where one thing stops and the other starts yeah i completely agree and i love that about kaufman i think in general sure. um you know playing between those lines of uh reality and uh imagination or you know just is this in someone's head or is this actually happening in real life and have you read ant kind yet I actually just started reading it a couple of weeks ago, and so I'm I'm about a hundred pages in, eighty, a hundred pages in. It's about um, to go totally off the deep ends in the next few hundred pages. It feels like it's already <laughs> headed there, so I I can't imagine. Uh, I've heard very interesting reviews of mm -hmm. it. Um, were you a fan? I loved it because I I'm I'm on board for anything Charlie Kaufman does, but uh, I can totally see how someone who's either not a fan or maybe like you know I like some of his stuff would just I, they wouldn't even be able to make it through those first hundred to begin with, and it only gets crazier from there. Yeah, it feels like a ser a pretty serious undertaking, uh, especially when you buy the book originally. You just like buy it, and you're like, okay, I've seen some of Kaufman's movies. I know he's a pretty weird dude, you know, like he's, he's making things that definitely, um, are one confusing to make you think very mm -hmm. deeply about your own place in the world. Um, and so, all right, let's start this, you know, six, 700 page, uh, book and just kind of see what happens. And sure. you know, 20 pages in, you're like, okay, this is like, I know this is a Charlie Kaufman book. Like I can see I, I that, a, that. I need a sort break. Of reading. <laughs> no yeah it's definitely a, a break heavy book <laughs> oh man i i'm so excited for his new movie i can't even begin to tell you but uh <laughs> before we get too for, too much further down that tangent uh do you have any other that you wanted to squeeze in real quick before we finish this thing up yeah i gotta squeeze in um one uh one movie and one tv show uh the film i want to squeeze in and it's one i just saw take shelter Ooh. Um, it's, it's, I think much less about, um, death and, and much more just about like, I think general anxiety sure. about, um, the state of the world and about the people around you. Uh, and that's a 2011 film by Jeff Nichols with Michael Shannon and, um, Jessica Chastain. And I think I, th I was just blown away by that movie. Um, and I think that the way it deals with, um, like hyper anxiety that builds up, you know, inside of you, 
um, so much that you are convinced of that something is going to happen. Sure. Yeah, uh, no, that, I I love that comparison. I I hadn't even thought about that, even though I I saw your tweets about the movie, <laughs> and it still didn't like kind of like hit me. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I love that. Yeah, it's a weird relation. Um, because I think the movies are fundamentally quite different. Sure. You know. Um, but the lead characters, at least what's happening inside of the lead characters, actually might have some similarity. Hmm. Absolutely. And uh, what's the TV show you wanted to bring up? So the the TV show is the OA. Oh, I love um, that show. I love that show. I think it's just such an interesting feat of storytelling. Um, but the main reason why I thought of it is that, um, you know, Britt Marling, uh, you know, who's the lead and, and co-creator of that show, she convinces people um, of something I think like very, very outlandish and something that really makes no sense to sure the naked eye which i feel is happening and she dies tomorrow you know i think it's it's about a character saying like this thing is going to happen you know or like this thing exists um without much of any backing or without much of any proof right uh or clues that this is going to happen and then people just being influenced enough to say okay i believe you and now i am involved and i also feel those exact same things um and so I just wanted to shout it out really quickly. Yeah, no, I, I like that. It's like it's such a big leap for any of the other characters to take, but they they jump right on in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. All right, well, I'm going to do the finished puzzle here and list off all the things we just talked about, and that includes It Follows, The Happening, Final Destination, To Dust, The Leftovers, I Heart Huckabees, Perfect Blue, Black Swan, and we squeeze in a few other Aronofsky in there. Uh, Repulsion, The Cure's Plain Song, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Synecdoche, New York, Take Shelter, and the OA. So I, I think we've got a lot of a lot of heavy movies on there. Uh, you know, a lot a lot of interesting stuff. Obviously, that 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 dread and that anxiety is something that is going to just obviously filter through any conversation about this movie, any writing about this movie. I mean, that is that's that's what it is when it comes down to it. And I I think it's a it's a very unique film, and I I certainly enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. Did you have any other uh, like like kind of closing thoughts on it? Anything we kind of didn't mention about the movie? I don't think so. I mean, I I think you pointed out this has been a a, a brutal uh, conversation about grief and 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 death, which is I've quite enjoyed, which is an odd uh, dichotomy <laughs> there. Uh, I do. I do want to mention that um, the use of colors, which it really isn't something that we we touch on in terms of um, you know puzzle pieces or, or, or linked movies, but uh, She Dies Tomorrow is I think like a pretty uh, striking film to watch, and I think it has um, an incredible use of color throughout it mm-hmm. that um, you know you've seen on the poster, you've seen you know in in, in quick clips, but. Um, to watch it with the music and 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 once you've i think lived with those characters for you know even 20 30 minutes um really puts you into an odd state of mind uh and so i had to shout that out and then i, I there, there's like a one pool shot there's a pool shot towards the end of she dies tomorrow that um really has stayed with me with um jane adams uh character jane 
mm-hmm. uh, that I, I just thought was absolutely fantastic. And, and uh, like just that three to four seconds is something that has uh, unfortunately been uh, swimming in my mind, not to, not to use a, a horrible pun. <laughs> I like that pun. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I totally know what you're talking about there with that shot. And yeah, I mean, definitely a, amazing use of color in here. I, and that color... That use of color, along with what I talked about earlier, the use of music, I think just really makes for a really cool visual experience with this movie. Um, only one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, and just really briefly, is that the the main character, when she dies, she wants to be turned into a leather jacket, but we'll just have to save that for our next conversation on this movie, I think. I can't believe it wasn't brought up. I, I'm, I'm shocked by that. Yep, sorry, guys. You're going to have to wait for part two of this conversation for that. Um, but, but this has been great, Michael. Is there another movie you saw recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Oof. That's tough. Oh, I, I have to recommend this. It just got put back on Netflix, uh, Safety Not Guaranteed. I've um, never seen that. I always wanted to. Yeah, Mark Duplass, Jake Johnson, Aubrey Plaza. Uh, it's one of, been one of my favorite movies for you know the last, whatever, since it came out, um, decade or so. And I just think it's so fantastic. It's a wonderful, lovable film that includes a little bit of time travel and a little bit of weirdness. And it's it's great. Yeah, I you know what I think it's finally time. I've always wanted to see that. It, it just it looked great at the time. And I just never got around to it. But uh, awesome! Uh, why don't you tell people where they could find your work? Yeah, definitely. You can find me on Twitter at Peach Fuzz Critic. Um, hence why I currently have the mustache uh, <laughs> for an audio uh, experience. <laughs> uh, and I'll have a couple reviews coming out on the film stage coming up. And then I'm doing some uh, Fantasia Fest uh, coverage as well for a few different outlets. So I should be coming out with quite a few articles over the next couple of weeks. Beautiful. Well, hey, thank you so much for doing this. And I, I'd love to have you back sometime if you're ever interested in doing the whole puzzle piece thing again. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to come back for a uh, a happier, uh, more, like a more enjoyable plan. film. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. One one that one that's not uh, completely ruining our our sleepless nights for uh, for the weeks leading up. To yeah, this. thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Hey guys, I'm Sarah and I'm Stephanie and we're the hosts of Dead Time Stories. Dead Time Stories, with a Z, is a weekly podcast where we tell you stories of ghosts, hauntings, mysteries, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, the generally eerie, spooky, and all around weird. If you like scary stories, witty banter, and classy broads, we're your ghouls. Gals. Gals. Some of our stories include Eastern State Penitentiary. No. And where is it? Does it sum up 12? The Gettysburg Dime Museum. They were like, show starts at five, Mr. President. He was like, thank you, five. <laughs> no, 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 seven. He was like, thank you, five. <laughs> Fort Mifflin. So the Americans burned down their own fort. They were like, oh, you, you, you British want this? You want this? Well, Come and get Welcome it. to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> and more. New episodes are posted Thursdays at midnight on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Listen and subscribe, rate and review today. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about She Dies Tomorrow. Thank you to Michael Frank for joining me on the show. It was a great conversation. 
And uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Piecing It Together, make sure you are subscribed on your podcast app of choice. We're, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Pocket Cast, all the big podcast apps. And if you listen to podcasts somewhere and we're not there, uh, let me know. I'll make sure to get there. And you can, of course, also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can follow us on social media at piecing pod join our facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces and check out our patreon our patreon is under my name produced by david rosen because it includes content from my music career as david rosen and then also from all the podcasts i work on including piecing it together all rice no beans awesome movie year and we don't have any bird road content on there but maybe we should one of these days but anyway Check out the Patreon. Lots of great stuff on there. And coming up this month in September, we're going to have a lot of music-related stuff because I've got a new album coming out in October. So I am very much looking forward to sharing some new stuff with you guys. But for now, let's dig back into the dread of this She Dies Tomorrow movie with one of my darkest tracks. A piece that I put out as a single for Halloween last year. It is called Stalker. And I'm sure I probably played it right around the time I put it out, but that would have been the last time. So it's good to dig back to this track and play something that's nice and dark with a lot of impending doom within the feeling of the track. So again, this is called Stalker. It's available as a single on iTunes, on Spotify, on all those places. Enjoy it, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming up real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.